Welcome to part seven of the Culture Connection, where we continue our conversation on the alpha teammate, and this time from the positive perspective. How you doing today, Coach Weaver? Man, I'm doing fantastic. Uh, you know, this one's going to be a little bit better to talk about, where part six was about being negative. I mean, I, I felt real negative talking about uh, being selfish, bullying, and all that stuff, but the realization is it, it, it's real, and it's in our real world, and it's in our locker rooms, and it needs to be dealt with. Oh, man, you're so right. And the emotions that, like, I just feel so bad for you sharing your story with the, from when you're in fourth grade, your 10-year-old self, uh, but it's so powerful. And, you know, I think what I want our listeners to know is that just because it happened in the past, in the 70s and the 80s, anyone who grew up, we probably experienced a lot of those same things, doesn't mean it's okay, and that's not the world that we live in today. Right. So I agree. And I'm really excited to dive into this second part where we look at the positive perspective of an alpha teammate. Yeah, you, you just described part five of being a coffee bean. The fifth way to be a coffee bean is the past does not define you. So I'm excited to get into what a teammate is supposed to look like and what an alpha teammate exemplifies uh, in, in the sports arena and in today's society. So I think the compelling question, Coach Weaver, for part seven is, who on your team is the hardest worker? Wherever you are in this, push pause, reach for your notepad, and write down a few names. The people that you can count on when it doesn't seem like you can count on anyone else. Who are the people that you rely on the most and would call the hardest workers? So as you reflect on that and you think about who has, uh, who's the hardest workers on your team, I want you to think about this, and I want you to see what kind of names come to mind, but who has the reputation as the hardest worker in the NFL? JT, you and I both know, uh, without a doubt, you've seen the post on Twitter. You know what kind of player he is. Uh, it's going to be James Harrison. Yeah, whether you like him or not, there is no doubt that he is driven by a higher purpose, and he is almost 40 now and still able to push his biological clock back. Yeah. I think about you know him working out in the in sweats. He's pulling, God knows how much weight. Um, he's squatting, God knows how much weight. But he he exemplifies one tough and hard work, and that's what you want on your team. And also, he's a leader. Yeah, you know, there's an image here on this PowerPoint presentation, and one of the things we preach with our team, and it really started with my college coach doing it. But we always took 24 hours after every game to kind of celebrate, decompress, heal up, mentally hit reset, and then we were on to the next opponent the the next day after 24 hours of either celebrating or maybe wallowing in our sorrows a little bit. Not James Harrison. There's a story where they flew back after uh, playing in Kansas City. And by the way, that's really hard. I know there were times when I'd get on the 49ers plane and it wasn't so bad when you're just going to San Diego or uh, whatever, somewhere close. But boy, when you have to fly across the country, and our rule was anything east of the Mississippi River was a two-day trip. So when you're leaving Friday to play Sunday, you know, and the, or even worse was Monday Night Football, when it's a 7.30, 8 o'clock kickoff and it's midnight before you leave in the locker room and you fly back and you might get back to your facility at 5 or 6 the next morning. Those are really long, hard days. And James Harrison doesn't take that 24 hours. 
he's right back in, and the minute they get back to the facility, he's in the next workout, getting ready for the next opponent. Yeah, it says he went straight from the airport to the team's facilities and then started a workout. I mean, you're talking about 3.46 in the morning. Holy cow. After... <laughs> After playing a really physical ball game against a physical opponent, Andy Reid has the Chiefs playing really physical right now, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. So, I, uh, I can't remember any of my teammates at all after a win going in and getting a workout. Now, they do it before a game. They get like a little pre-workout pump, but not after. Especially, I mean, the guy plays defensive end. He's a machine. So you know he's he's playing the max amount of snaps as he can. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you or maybe one of those people that you deemed as hard workers on your team or in your organization, when was the last time they got in an extra workout? And the key word is extra. Not when was the last time they did a workout or when was the last time they went to a workout. When did they do an extra workout? either two in one day or one on short rest or a time that made a difference that really didn't need to be done, but it's just because it's ingrained in their DNA and that's who they are. Well, it takes a big great team, but it's, it's just careful. Um, you know, what you do as an individual will get better with your game because that automatically helps your team, but also caring about your teammates. Um, you know, holding yourself accountable. You know, every day at practice, trying to work hard, trying to be the best at practice, and then going out on the game and doing it. Um, for me, I was brought up the right way. I had some great mentors and coaches when I was a kid that taught me that, uh, you know, this is a team game and um, it doesn't matter how good you are individually. Um, you can't win and you can't get to the highest level without playing, um, you know, with your teammates and for your teammates. So, you know, that was instilled in me when I was eight years old, nine years old, when I first started playing the game of basketball. And it's, you know, it's with me today, you know, being a, you know, a veteran in the NBA. But Coach Weaver, as I listen to LeBron James there talk about the qualities he likes in a teammate or what he thinks makes a great teammate, I think about the – my mind goes back to the All Blacks. Mm. You know, who's taking care of the locker room? Who's sweeping the shed? Who's making sure that the values we stand for as a team are still being held when the coaches aren't around? Yeah, you got to be thinking it's the, it's the players. It's the captains. It's the ones that are elected captains, the ones that are holding people to a higher standard than just what the status quo is. And I think that's what it really turns into is what are you going to allow? So if you're a captain of a team and naturally coaches are leaders and quarterbacks are leaders, what are you doing to prevent status quo from entering your locker room? Who is making sure that your culture is happening when the coaches aren't around? So I think a lot about – in uh, in the college football ranks. You know, during the summer, coaches can't be on the field, so there has to be guys that run practice. And I remember watching Mississippi State when Dak Prescott played for, uh, for them, that he was the one that was organizing and running the, the plays, the passing game, and all that stuff. He was the one running the practices in June and July. And, you know, you, you look at him, I mean, starter for the Dallas Cowboys. And is that a huge translation to how good he was going to be. I mean, he's a good player, but he was also a better teammate. Yeah, and you know, it's so funny. The more that we do these parts, the more they feed into each other. I, I think about all the guys we've talked about that have sweeped the shed or, um, you know, Cortland Sutton, 
packing up chairs after a team meeting. It's all about service. And when I think about the people that hold the locker room together when the coaches aren't there or maybe when things are going sideways during a season, really, these guys, these captain class people are the glue that hold everything together. Got that momentary time of exhilaration where you hoist that championship trophy over your head and I don't know what happens, but some mystical blood kinship is formed. And although it's a fleeting moment, that kinship lasts for the rest of your life. And the thing I'm most proud of with my teams is they have it. And I know because I lived it because when something goes wrong with one of them, all the others run to help. And I know because they've run to help me. Yeah, you're talking about a two-time Super Bowl champion coach with the Giants, Super Bowl 21, and then Super Bowl 25 as well. And, you know, I think sometimes we want to view guys as tough, your alpha teammates as they're the tough ones, they're the ones that you can count on in a game when you need to. But the more that we explore this topic, the more it goes back to really being the captains. You know, those that are servant leaders, those that sweep the shed, those that put in extra time, not the bare minimum. So, uh, in 2004, I took the head coaching job in Lone Oak, Texas. Lone Oak is a, at the time, a school of about 280 students, um, hardworking kids, a little bit of tradition of playing hard, but... They're not going to win sprint relays at the district track meet. Um, one division one player in the history of the school, so they don't have guys going play in college. And um, you can win with guys like that, but you're not going to out athlete people. And so I knew I needed something that was dealt with tough. And so uh, someone told me that um, they had heard about TPL. Tough people laughed and. I thought, okay, I'm going to go with tough people win. And, man, it is – I just thought, you know, it's – anybody can be tough. And we're, again, we're, we're going to uh, we're gonna make this thing around toughness. And I've just kept it forever, really, since 2004. And when I took the job at Poteen in 2010, it was a big deal there. And, again, it didn't take any ability to be tough. And – um, I don't. I don't. I don't really think our society. We're really raising tough people anymore. And uh, you know, if the next war is fought with drones and pushing buttons, we might be okay. But I think that uh, we, you know, that's just got to be an emphasis of toughness. And so, toughness is one of the pillars in our program. And TPW has just been there since 2004, and it's been good for us. So when I got to North Forney, North Forney's been here about eight years. Not much success, zero identity. I'm a big believer in branding, and everybody's got to have an identity. And so uh, I started calling them goons, and it was just in private, and uh, they liked it. And we just kind of went with, hey, here's what a goon is. And, again, we didn't tweet it out. We didn't do anything. But I just talked about basically it was, it was tough, but it was an individual identity of being a goon. And... So we'd probably been using it for about a month or six weeks or something, and we're at the district track meet, and I got a bunch of linemen raking the – we're running off the long jump, and I got a bunch of linemen raking the sand pit. 
and I walked up and I said, look at all these goons in the sand pit helping. And one of them said, yeah, because there's so many goons here. Like, it's like we're in Goonville. And, man, a million light bulbs went off in my head. And I thought, okay, I can work with this. And so I came up with Goonville, Texas, uh, population 11 for 11 people being on the field. I'm, I, I got a sign company to make us a sign that looks just like a city limit sign that you'd see. And that's hanging on the entrance to our locker room. And then as kids started getting uh, in, earning their way into the elite locker room, uh, we'll take their picture and tweet it out. And I, I started tweeting another resident of Goonville, Texas. And, I, I, you know, our parents just fell in love with it. Um, I'm not sure administration really loved the term goon, and but this place had no identity. It just was kind of, and it just kind of gave them something. And a, even a cheerleader took the school and dropped it on Google Maps. And uh, I've never done this, but she's shown me a picture, and it's in my next book or whatever, the CDS2 of, you know, if you were to type in Goonville uh, in, in Google Maps, it would put you right here. So so I, I, I do think it's all about identity. And if, if you're not going to win a district track meet in the sprint relay, you better be tough, and you better give them something to grab a hold of. And if you don't have enough, and so we took that, and I think we morphed it even more into Goons and then Goonville, Texas, and uh, so it's been a lot of fun, and I think um, everywhere I've been, uh, they, they've gravitated to it. I, I'm not sure I could leave here and, and I would ever leave here and call something else Goonville, but with a new school that hadn't won, it was perfect for this place. That was Coach Randy Jackson of North Forney High School outlining what TPW stands for and where it came from and also outlines what Goonville is at North Forney High School. So as we look into this and as we understand what an alpha teammate is, you know, in part one we talked about what a bad teammate was. Well, now we're going to outline what a good teammate looks like. So, one, he wants what's best for the team. Two, he wants to serve his teammates. Three, it's one you would want to jump out of a plane for if he needed help. Four, he's the hardest worker on the team. And five, it's a guy who will take care of the locker room and do what it takes to win. And I think you can go a, deep, a little bit deeper on that. And he's the one that's going to help the coaches win the locker room and understand what it's going to take um, to get to know the guys because he's going to help the coaches understand how the team operates. Yeah, and I think the alpha teammate, the positive alpha teammate that we're all looking for, they're also going to bring other people along with them. So they're going to take the bad players and make them toe the line, hold them accountable a little bit more. They're going to take the average players and elevate their performance. And then also alpha teammates surround themselves with other alpha teammates. And if you can do those things, your locker room gets a whole lot stronger. Yeah, and JT, let's just face it. Football and team sports in general is just tough because you have a lot of personalities, a lot of characteristics, and a lot of egos. But championship teams have alpha teammates to help the greater good. So as we close out part seven, an alpha is not a bully or a 15-yard penalty guy. It's one of those characteristics we talked about. He's a guy that helps you win the locker room. This concludes part seven of the Culture Connection, an eight-part series designed to help your team become a more cohesive unit and you a better personal influence. 
for resources from our Alpha Teammate presentations, either part one or part two. Please visit CoachRandyJackson.com and download the PowerPoints and additional resources. Also, stay tuned as we have our Culture Connection finale exploring the topic of Pete Carroll and how he always competes. GameStrat is the number one choice for football coaches looking for the most reliable and advanced sideline replay system on the market. More coaches are switching to GameStrat because it simply works when it's supposed to work. And unlike other systems, GameStrat is simpler to set up and use, delivers the fastest video transfer times in the industry, gives you the most tagging capabilities, and has the best game day support. Choose GameStrat for your game day needs. Cultural Classroom is supported by Laws and Learning, a nonprofit run by educators for educators with a mission to engage students, empower teachers, and transform schools. Through professional development conferences focusing on active learning, practical resources, and reflective teaching, including fishbowl classrooms and a unique teacher-to-teacher -teacher consulting program, Laws and Learning is providing the authentic professional development your school needs. Visit them at lawsandlearning.com today to find one of their active learning conferences near you and to learn more about changing education from the ground up.